This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by Decisions in Dentistry and the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. Welcome, everyone. My name is Art Wiederman. I'm a dental-specific CPA. My CPA practice is located in the city of Tustin, California, which is in Orange County, about 15 minutes from Disneyland in Anaheim. And I am recording this podcast tonight on uh, Sunday, May the 17th, here in Southern California. We are about two months into the COVID-19 pandemic, where dental offices began to shut down, as did most of our American economy start to shut down. Uh, So we're two months into this. And today, we're going to talk about uh, a big topic that we've been covering on this podcast for the last five or six weeks. And it has to do with the Paycheck Protection Program. Now, as all of you know, the Paycheck Protection Program uh, was a program that was part of the CARES Act uh, that was passed by President by the Congress and signed by President Trump on March 27th. It provided um, forgivable loans to small business owners of under 500 employees uh, that were to be used for an eight-week period to pay payroll costs, rent, utility, and interest. And we've talked about that a lot on our podcasts uh, in the past five or six weeks. Well, one of the main components of this law was the fact that this was a forgivable loan. In other words, the government said, if you decide that you're going to use this money for what we would intend you to do it, to use it for, which is to take employees off of unemployment. And sadly, we have well over 35 million Americans have filed for unemployment. And I don't think we're done yet, folks. I think there's going to be more. Um, But if you take them off of unemployment for an eight week period, starting from the date that you got your loan, you would be able to go to the bank at the end of the eight weeks and say, bank, I did what you told me to do. I paid everybody just like there was no pandemic. And I would like my $100,000 or $70,000 loan to be forgiven. And I don't want to pay it back. Well, we have been desperately waiting for SBA guidance on how all of the rules of the CARES Act, sections 1102 and 1106, were intended to be implemented um, for this ultimate forgiveness. This guidance was supposed to be given to us by April 27th. It is now May 17th. It has not been given to us, but here is what we got. On Friday, May the 14th, I'm sorry, Friday, May the 15th, at about 5 p.m. California time, which is about 8 p.m. in Washington, D.C., uh, an 11-page document was put onto Treasury.gov's website, which is the Payroll uh, Paycheck Protection Program Forgiveness Application. It is an 11-page application. We believe that this came 
um, the cart before the horse, if you'll excuse the expression, because they came out with the form to get the forgiveness, but they didn't tell us all of the nuances of how you do all of the calculations. They did give us a lot of guidance, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight uh, on on this podcast is what is this form? What should you be doing? What is it telling us? And how should you be planning for it? But before we do that, I want to give you some information. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me in my office um, in Southern California, you can call my office directly at 714-505-9000 and go through the queues. You'll get to me. It'll ring through to my desk here at home, which is where I'm working. And uh, I'll be happy to get back to you. Please be patient. I've got emails. I've got phone calls I just have not been able to get to because uh, the SBA just doesn't stop with their guidance and come out with a little bit at a time. And I have to, every time they come out with something, I got to stop what I'm doing, figure out what they're doing and let all you guys know what they're doing. So I've gotten hundreds of emails from many dentists all over the United States. Uh, I've been able to answer a lot of questions. I've been able to point many of you to our wonderful Academy of Dental CPA members uh, across the country. So if you have an email for me, please send the email to artwiederman at gmail.com. That's A-R-T period W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at gmail.com. Uh, please go on to the website of our wonderful partner, Decisions in Dentistry. Uh, decisionsindentistry.com is the website. You can get our podcasts there. You can actually click and ask for a complimentary 30-minute consultation with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. And yes, we will do that for you. Uh, we will help you answer your questions, get you through all of this. And um, if you are not working with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, especially now if you want to get the maximum forgiveness on these loans, on these uh, paycheck protection loans that you've taken out that you're going to use for payroll, um, now is the time to go onto our website, which is www.adcpa.org. Click on our members uh, list or uh, find a member, I think it says, and then it'll point you to the member in uh, your area. My area is Southern California, north of San Diego. We have a wonderful firm in San Diego, Drew Hendricks and his friends down there. Uh, he has participated uh, in our blogs and in our uh, webinars. So uh, he takes care of San Diego. I take care of the rest of Southern California. And um, so if you want to do that, that's www.adcpa.org. So before we get to this monstrosity of a forgiveness application that you're going to have to send into the bank, I want to cover a couple of other things uh, that have come up this week. Uh, first of all, uh, a lot of you have received, have either received or have received confirmation that you're actually going to get an EIDL loan. Um, that is uh, an emergency disaster loan that is now capped at $150,000. But you can use that money after you use the payroll protection money, paycheck protection money, um, for working capital. So for those of you, and I've heard lots of you talking to me about this, about saying, Art, you know, after this eight weeks, I, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any lines of credit. Uh, I've been kind of 
practice was uh, not going the way I thought it would go. A lot of you are doing really well. And I'll tell you what, it was a darn shame that this happened for <laughs> lots of reasons. But the dental pro- profession in our economy is really humming right before the 15th of March. I mean, every practice virtually that I talked to was up and they were really making great plans and 2020 was going to be a great year. And then we saw what happened. So, um, you know, with with that said, um, this idle loan is possibly something that can really help you get through the next three, six, or nine months. Some of you might have gotten a lot more than 150000 if you applied early in the game and you got your money earlier in the game. I've got some doctors who got three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. That's great. It's a 30-year loan. It's paid back over uh over 30 years, 3.75%, no prepayment penalty, and no fees attached. So use that money. But I want to caution you on a couple of things. You need to read the loan document. Number one, if you're thinking about selling or transferring your practice and you have that debt and you have other debts, uh, you have to take a look at that because you have to let the SBA know when you're going to transfer all or part of your practice. Maybe you're thinking about bringing on a partner. I have a client that's doing that right now. And he says to Art, yeah, I said to him, I said, listen, we got to look into this before you bring this partner on. I don't know exactly what the ramifications are. Do you have to pay the loan off when you bring the partner on? Uh, getting a hold of the SBA now is is like uh, uh, is the equivalent of trying to get through the D- Department of Motor Vehicles in five minutes. It's not going to happen. It's just they're too busy. Um, so so that's one thing you need to look at. The other thing is is that um, under the idle loan uh, rules, the the SBA can require you to have what's called uh, audited uh, or reviewed financial statements. And what that means, folks, is most of you who have a CPA do monthly or quarterly statements. They're what's called compiled financial statements. And those statements um, are pretty much easy. You know, you write checks, you deposit money, we account for all of that. What comes in minus what goes out equals what's left. And it's pretty straightforward. But if we need audited or reviewed financial statements to satisfy the S, um, uh, the SBA, number one, that runs into thousands of dollars of fees because that's a whole different level there has to be testing done. Uh, it's not something we want to do. I've never done one for a dentist in 36 years. I don't ever want to do one. Um, but that is something to keep in mind also. And also security. They're going to take your assets as security. So if you're looking at getting other types of financing down the road, you might want to talk to your banker and say, listen, I'm getting this idle loan. Is that going to mess up my financing? I don't know. So... That's the first thing. The second thing before we get to the um, PPP forgiveness application is we've had a lot of doctors who have expressed concern to us about the fact that um, they've heard that if you have other sources of liquidity, savings, uh, lines of credit available to you, maybe even equity in your house, uh, that you really shouldn't be allowed to or shouldn't be applying for the, uh, the Paycheck Protection Program loan. And that was a legitimate concern. We've had clients who said, oh, Art, I got two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. We had a really good last year or two. I haven't taken the money out. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, am I going to have a problem? Should I pay this money back? Well, the government kind of helped us out with that one. They came out with a ruling, uh, a frequently asked question. I think it was number 46. If you go to 
treasury.gov and you have uh, trouble sleeping, go read some of their stuff on the Paycheck Protection Program. It's uh, pretty lengthy and uh, pretty, com- well, not as comprehensive as we would like, but it, it's a lot of stuff there. Let's just put it that way. And question number 46 basically indicated that um, any uh, any business owner who got a PPP loan for less than $2 million, which I would venture to say is pretty much all of you, unless we have people on the podcast that are listening who are multiple practice owners or who own DSOs and maybe own 20, 30, 40, 50 practices, uh, it's possible that your PPP loan would be over $2 million, and it's going to be audited by the SBA if it is over $2 million. But the SBA flat out said, hey, listen, uh, you know, we, we know what's going on here. We understand things have gotten really bad really quickly. And if your loan is less than $2 million, uh, we know that you're a small business. We know you're probably hurting. And we are going to assume that you have no access to loans or liquidity. And that rule is not something you have to worry about. This was intended for the big boys, the uh, the Ruth Christ's, the Shake Shacks, the Los Angeles Lakers, the ones that got these loans, the publicly held companies that got these loans and they didn't need them. So you do not have to worry. If you have $100,000 in your bank account and you got a PPP loan for $150,000 or for $80,000, you don't have to worry that you have adequate liquidity because the fact of the matter is, is you don't. Because there is no business model, folks, for my business has zero revenues and still has overhead expenses. Uh, and I have to go buy PPE equipment uh, and supplies. So uh, that is something, fortunately, that we don't have to worry about. Okay, so let's get into this forgiveness here. Uh, it came out with an 11-page application. You can find it on www.treasury.gov. Uh, you can click on to there on the top of their main page is a little red strip. It's their COVID-19 document. And the um, the form is, like I say, it's an 11-page form, and it is at the top. It is called Paycheck Protection Program Loan Forgiveness Application. And it starts off with instructions, and it's got worksheets. And it's got calculations. And when you look at it, my recommendation, my strong, strong recommendation is have a bottle of the strongest uh, Tylenol or Bayer aspirin or uh, Excedrin or, or whatever, you know, Tylenol, Advil, whatever it is for headaches, because this will give you a headache. I probably have spent the better part of 10 hours reading and rereading this form and reading articles and um you know our uh, uh ADCPA members are unbelievable unbelievable i mean uh Mark Rosen and Jeff Christoph i want to give a shout out to them they have already okay this form came out on friday they have already recorded a 90 minute webinar on this form top to bottom and i listened to it and i fortunately 98% of what they said was exactly what I've been saying and my interpretations, but they gave me a couple of really interesting points, which I'm going to share with you. 
Um, and uh, we're going to be having a lot more guidance coming out of our CPA firm, as are the rest of the Academy of Dental CPA members going to be doing that. But let, let's start off with kind of where do we go from this? First of all, they did it backwards. We know they did it backwards. Uh, they should have put out the guidance. Uh, just some, some basic, basic questions as to, you know, they, they gave us some guidance on full-time equivalent employees and they gave us some guidance, um, on what payroll costs are, which we pretty much knew. But here's a perfect example. You are allowed to include in payroll costs, uh, not only are you allowed to include your health insurance premiums, but you're also allowed to include your retirement plan contributions. Well, and, and, and it's 850 seconds of a year's worth. It's eight weeks, 56 days worth. So let's look at 2020. Okay. So 2019, you had a killer year. You maximally funded your retirement plan. Maybe you're in your 50s or 60s and you, you, you put 150, 200,000 into a defined benefit. Or maybe you have a profit sharing and you funded the maximum of either 56 or 62,000, depending on whether you're over or under the age of 50 and have a 401k plan. You just killed it. So maybe you didn't fund your 2019 retirement plan until now, or you're going to fund it when you file your tax return or, or whatever. Well, let's look at 2020. The expenses have to be paid or incurred during the covered period, which is the eight weeks starting with the day you get the loan money. Well, how many of you, given what's gone on in 2020, given that your dental office has now been shut down for most cases, two months, now a lot of dental offices either have already reopened or they are going to in the next week or two in a lot of states in this country, and that's very good news for the dental profession. But how many of you know what your retirement plan contribution is going to be for 2020? I think if I asked 10 of my clients their answer would be, Art, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Try zero. Try less than zero. So what do we use for this eight-week period? We don't know. We guess it might be the 2019 number, but they came out with this application and they didn't tell us. There's lots of questions that are not answered. So they, they put the cart uh, before the horse. This form confirms what I have been saying all along on this, and I want to reiterate this again because it's really important for you to understand. We have a lot of dentists. I've talked to, I can't tell you how many I've talked to in the last six, seven, eight weeks. Um, and, and, you know, using the word don't shoot the messenger has been coming up more and more. You know, Art, this is just, this is just so unfair. They, they have to help us. And I don't understand why are they making us take this money and pay people during this time that our dental office is not open. And the people that own restaurants are saying the same thing. And the people that own dry cleaners are saying the same thing. If in your city or your county or your state, you were not allowed to have your business opened. Businesses are starting to open up in this country slowly, but surely. Okay. But you're, you, my dentists are saying, why? Why, why do I have to do this? Well, again, these forms tell you why. And we're going to give you some tips on how to take best advantage of the rules that we know at least up to tonight, May 17th is they wanted you to immediately take your people off of unemployment put them on payroll, whether your business was open or not, right, wrong, or otherwise, okay? That's what they wanted you to do. 
And if you did that and you hired them all back, and June 30th is now a really important date, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. If you hired them back by June 30th at the same pay rate as they were before, and you had the same number of people on June 30th as you had pretty much on February 15th, and you spent 75% of this money on payroll and the rest on rent, utilities, and interest, they're going to forgive your whole loan for the most part. Now, do remember that if you did get an EIDL grant, which was anywhere between one and $10,000, that is going to reduce your forgiveness because that was free money and that's only fair. So, um, you know, so, so this was the purpose and this, these rules kind of conform to that. Now, given the fact that many of you are, have gotten your money before the first of May, a lot of our clients got, we started seeing the money come into dentist bank accounts right around the, the earliest I think I saw was the 14th or 15th of April. And then they started coming. A lot of you got your money in April. So that means that a lot of you are going to have your eight-week period run out before June 30th. This may be one of the most important things I say to you. Do not, under any circumstance, file your forgiveness application the day your eight-week period is over. There is no rush to do that. In fact, the form that I'm looking at on my computer screen right now says that the expiration date of this loan forgiveness application is October 31, 2020. We don't know exactly when you have to file for this forgiveness. We know there are no, um, we know that there are, um, uh, you have six months before you have to make a payment on anything that's not forgiven. And remember again, folks, anything that's not forgiven is going to turn into a two-year, 1% interest loan. So if you take a couple hundred thousand bucks and you spend it on stuff that's not forgivable or or you keep it for working capital, you need to be prepared to pay it back over two years. They're talking about extending it to five years, but there's no guarantee. And the Democrats bill, by the way, that came out uh, on Thursday, $3 trillion, 1,815 pages. The Republicans and the president and the White House say it's dead on arrival. Um, everything I'm hearing and I'm reading says that we're not going to have a CARES 2.0 for at least 30, maybe 45 days because uh, the Republicans want to kind of wait. So what we've got is what we've got, and that's what we've got. I guess that's very profound, but that's what we have. So do not file your application because June 30th, as you're going to find out shortly, is a very, very, very important date. And you don't want to file before we've done some things by June 30th that will help you get as close to your maximum forgiveness as possible. Now, I'm not going to go through a numerical example on a podcast because it, it you don't have anything in front of you. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, do listen to our webinars uh, that we do every Tuesday from 11 to 12.30 p.m. Uh, Western uh, uh, West Coast time uh, through Ide Bailey and HMWC. Email me if you want to get a link to that. We'll get you hooked up on that. Uh, we know some of you are back to work, so you may not be able to do that, but you can certainly listen to it on demand on our website. So, um, and again, one thing when you look at this form, we're not going to go through this form in detail. I'm just going to give you the high points on this on this 
podcast, and we're going to be doing this again and again until, you know, once we get all this guidance. There is a box on there that says, is your loan over $2 million? Make sure, write this down in big, bold letters. Do not mark the box that says that your loan is over $2 million because, number one, it isn't. And number two, if you do that, your loan is going to get audited and they're going to nitpick every receipt and every document and every payroll and everything you did. So you don't want to do that. So those are kind of my beginning comments. So the first thing we're going to talk about is their covered period. So we've always been of the opinion that the covered period is eight weeks from the day you get your, um, from the day you get your money. Well, they created a new title here. And the new title is not just covered period, but it is alternative payroll covered period. Let me make sure I get that right. It's, yeah, it's alternative payroll covered period. So basically what they're doing is they're saying, okay, you know, and and this is what I've been saying to cover the law. and, And they gave us a little bit of latitude here. So I was saying, if you get, if you want maximum forgiveness and you want this uh, totally forgiven and you get your loan on May 4th and your next pay period is over May 7th, do a payroll from May 4th to May 7th because then you're using the money from the day you got your payroll. Uh, and that's the covered period. And you can choose to do that. However, this alternate payroll covered period. Uh, it's indicated for, I'm going to read, right? What it says, borrowers with a bi-weekly or more frequent payroll schedule can elect to calculate eligible payroll using the eight-week period that begins on the first day of their first pay period following the day you get your money. So here's the example they give. Let's say that Dr. Wiederman uh, got his PPP loan proceeds on Monday, April 20th. And the first day of his first pay period following that is Sunday, April 26th, because he's on every two weeks. Um, so in that case, instead of me starting the eight-week period on April uh, 20th, when I got the money, I can start it on April 26th, which could give me four or five or six more days to not have to use the money Um but, you know, and that that's for those of you who are maybe getting your money right now. A lot of you might be getting your money. Well, if you get your money, let's say you get it tomorrow on May 18th, and you just finished your two-week period, okay, uh, your payroll. Maybe your payroll finished on Friday, uh, May the 15th, and you get your money on the 18th, and you elect the alternate payroll covered period you can start your eight-week period at the beginning of your next payroll, okay? So, um, you know, maybe your next payroll is going to be, you know, maybe it'll start on the 19th or the 20th. It just depends. I mean, I guess if you finished your payroll period uh, on, on May 14th, May 15th, and you started on May 18th, it would be the same day. But what if your payroll period was different? What if your... um your your next payroll period um were to start on say may uh you know may 24th you got the money on may 18th that means you've got another 6 days that you don't have to use this money that's 6 days closer to the opening of your dental office 
So you want to kind of watch that. The other thing that they did with payroll is they said, okay, we understand that when you get to the end of a payroll period, you might have payroll that you've incurred during the eight weeks, but you may not pay it until afterwards because of when your payroll cycle is. So they're going to let you, if you have payroll that's incurred during the covered period, but your payroll cycle ends after the end of the covered period, then you get to include that in your forgiveness calculation. So that's important. And that, that's why you know you can use the regular covered period or the alternate covered period. And remember, you don't have to decide this today. You only have to decide this when you file your application. All right, so let's go back to payroll costs. There are three ways that you can get dinged, and this is going to be the gist of what I'm going to talk about today. Three ways that you can get dinged on forgiveness. Remember, if you take this money and you pay everybody for eight weeks what they were making back in February, uh, you know, using some rules that are very, you know, kind of complex, a lot of dates involved. I'm not going to get into all the dates here. And you spend 75% of this money, of this money on payroll. And you have the same number of full-time equivalent employees, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, they gave us a definition, finally, we think. I don't know. <laughs> they gave us a definition. If you do all that, you're going to get maximum forgiveness. So we want to work you on there because some of you have not done that. So first of all, payroll costs. There is nothing in this application that says that I cannot give someone a longevity bonus. There is nothing in this application that says that I cannot give someone a hazard pay bonus. There is not somebody, nothing in this that says I can't give somebody a retention bonus or a bonus for thank you for coming back to work. I know a dental office is a dangerous place and we really appreciate it. But if you think about it, folks, here's another thing that, and again, we have to wait for this guidance, but, but if you think about it, um, the government wants you guys to take your employees off of unemployment. So you have, and, and this is a, this is conceptual. There's nothing written about this, but think about it, okay? So your employees call you up and they say, you know, Dr. Wiederman, you know, we really, that's great you get this money, but you know what, your, your office is not open yet and we're not ready to come back to work. Um, we're making more money on unemployment than we're making uh, working for you. No offense, but that's a mathematical fact. And my husband is out of work. My wife is out of work, whatever it is. And um, I, I just can't come back. And so you go to them, and I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form. Maybe you say to them, you know, I'll pay you a little bit of extra money to come back, which gets you off of unemployment. Now, you need to check with a labor law attorney before you start doing any of this, okay? But we're just talking about the fact of can you pay a bonus? We don't know yet. But I want you to keep that in your back pocket, especially for those of you who have not gotten your money yet. That may be something that we can do, which will help you get closer to that 75% of payroll costs, especially, you know, maybe you didn't bring your entire team back. Maybe you brought back uh, two-thirds of your team. I mean, you, you got scheduled, a lot of people needed treatment and all this stuff, uh, but you know, we didn't need everybody right away. We're hoping to get everybody back in the next two or three or four months, but we got this eight-week period. So can we pay a bonus? I don't know yet. There's nothing on this application that says I cannot. 
And, uh, you, know, you know, that's the old saying we've been talking about. It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. We're asking for forgiveness and all this. Um, I don't know. So I want to hold that thought. I want you to be thinking about this. I don't want you to do anything regarding unemployment, about anything without checking with a labor attorney, but it's just something once we get this guidance and we see what they tell us, we'll be able to come back to you further. But for now, I would just stay on the straight and narrow with your payroll, but just keep it in mind might be something that we can do. Okay. So they didn't give us anything in this application about relatives. So I want to get to my 75% of payroll. I'm going to put my kid and my dog and my bird and my aunt and grandma, you know, and uncle, uncle Elmer and all these folks on payroll. Well, I wouldn't do that either because I would bet you there's going to be some rules against that. So we got 75% of this loan has to be used for payroll. Um, they haven't given us the retirement rules. We talked about that. And, um, we talked about the catch up. So it's pretty straightforward. So the first rule is the 75% rule. Now, 75% is basically if I have a PPP loan of $100,000, I have to use 75% of that money for payroll. If I don't, there is a reduction in the amount of your forgiveness. What's included in payroll? Let's go through it again. Any payroll that you pay to any employee up to $100,000 of compensation and you, the owner, can take out $15,385. It's in the document here. So they've confirmed that number. That's 850 seconds of $100,000. So you take that money out. Uh, that is part of your uh, 75%. Uh, you can pay up to that same amount for anybody who makes up to 100000 If you have to pay them more, maybe you got back and you're working real hard and you're paying your associate, they, the government will pay for $15,385 of that. They will also pay for your state unemployment taxes, not your federal uh, payroll taxes. You, for federal, you have unemployment tax, you have Social Security and Medicare. They will not pay for any of that. They will pay for your um, uh, your state unemployment taxes in your state. Uh, they will pay for your retirement plan contribution. Again, waiting for that, I would not make any retirement plan contributions with this money until we get the guidance. Uh, you can also pay your employee's health insurance. You can do that right away. Uh, let's talk about the owner's expenses for a minute, and we're still confused. The government seems to have taken favor in the guidance they've given out so far that sole proprietors and partnership owners, so your sole proprietor dentist and your partner dentist, are not going to be allowed to be forgiven their health insurance or their um, retirement contributions, we believe. Uh, that's based on an April 24th interim guidance they gave out on how to calculate the payroll uh, cost for when you apply for this loan. Uh, but they do seem to allow S corporation shareholders and C corporation shareholders to get this money forgiven. Will they fix this in the final guidance? Uh, we'll see. But for right now, that's where we see the payroll cost. So again, you know, use the, uh, the spreadsheets that the members of the Academy of Dental CPAs have. We have a, a PPP planning spreadsheet. Uh, that we've sent to hundreds of you. If you want it, email me at artweederman at gmail.com. We'll get it out to you. Um, and plan this thing out to make sure that you're at over 75%. So that's step one. 
But what came out in this application, which again requires you to have a degree from MIT in mathematics and uh, not in logic, because there is no logic behind any of this. We just shake our heads at the stuff that, that they came up with on this. But there are two other things that we need to talk about that will cause your PPP loan forgiveness to be reduced. So let's start with the first one. And the first one is basically what's called the 25% reduction rule. Okay. And the way that works is that the government wants you during this covered period, they do not want you to pay your employees 25, more than 25% less or more that that's an oxymoron, I guess, folks. I, I went to accounting school, not to English school, I guess. Um, if you reduce their salaries by more than 25%, they've got a problem with that. So basically, um, you're going to have to do on an employee by employee basis, how much money did they make, um, you know, back, uh, for the first quarter? And, um, you know, how much money were they making for the period of January 1 to March 31 and annualize it? And then how much were you paying them in the covered period? So if, if someone was making $80,000, uh, that was their salary, but you only needed them part time and you didn't hire them back at all during the covered period. I mean, you hired them back maybe some during the covered period. There's a calculation that you go through that's going to on an employee by employee basis and the worksheets are in this forgiveness uh, application is going to reduce your forgiveness. So I took an example of a an employee who made $80,000 a year and their annualized salary during the eight-week period was 52000 The forgiveness for that employee was about $1,230 and you have to do that for every employee. However, there is a way to get around this and it is the safe harbor and this is really important, okay? Really, really important. So, if your um, if in your situation you have employees that were making a certain amount of money on, let's say February fifteenth, that is the date. So, on February fifteenth, you have your employee that is making um, seventy five thousand dollars a year. Okay, and you have to go through a whole calculation with all of this, and basically. When that employee, when we look at their salary on June 30th, if we return their salary on June 30th to what it was on February 15th, which was 75000 or 80000 a year, then you meet the safe harbor reduction on the 25% of pay reduction. So you can't drop people's pay more than 25% during this eight-week period or they're going to ding you on the forgiveness. But what you can do to avoid this is the government says, listen, we understand what's going on. We understand that for the eight weeks, maybe you didn't need these folks. Um, the fact that the government doesn't quite get it is, a, is an understatement, but this is what they're saying. So they're saying on June 30th, if you restore this employee to $75,000 of salary, what is that going to mean? Does that mean that we have to look at the uh, June 15th to June 30th payroll run, the bank's going to look at that and say, oh, yeah, there it is. That employee made $3,125 for that pay period. They're on track to make $75,000. We've restored them, and your forgiveness is not reduced 
for this particular item. Very, very important. So this is going to affect dental offices where you don't bring everybody back by June 30th. You may not be able to you know, pass this rule, but can you put them on payroll for one time? It's not going to be the way the government sees it, but we're waiting for the guidance. We don't know. But again, 75% of payroll. Make sure that whatever folks were making on February 15th, uh, you meet the safe harbor for those employees that they're making that same amount. They're back on payroll to make that same amount of money. If you do that for each of the employees um, that have, uh, uh, you know, if you do that for people who have you've reduced their salaries during the covered period and they're back on payroll by June 30th, you will avoid an increase in your a reduction in your forgiveness because of this 25% rule. I know it gets confusing. Uh, and, and by the way, too, there is a great article that came out today in Forbes magazine. There's a guy that writes for Forbes. Um, his name is Tony Nitti, N-I-T-T-I. I've never met Tony. I'd love to get him on the podcast someday because he sounds like a, he sounds like like he's a hoot, just like I am. I guess I like to think I am uh, sometimes. And um, he wrote a really good article about how this application works and gives some really good mathematical examples in the uh, in in the article. So Forbes magazine, May seventeenth. Uh, you can find it on the internet. Uh, I googled uh, uh, PPP forgiveness article Forbes, and I found it pretty quickly. So that's the twenty-five percent test. Okay, here's the second test, and this is a big one. I'm going to spend some a good amount of time on this one. We also have to have the same number of full-time equivalent employees that work for us on what's the date? June thirtieth. There we go again. June 30th is a really important date, as we had on February the 15th. And there's some mathematical calculations and certain dates you have to go through, which I'm not going to confuse you with. Uh, listen to our webinars. We'll get you your power, the PowerPoints and all the guidance on this that we're going to be writing articles on. But basically, here's what they did. And this is this could be something that could be really helpful for dentists. So we didn't know what a full-time equivalent employee meant. Did that mean someone who worked 30 hours a week? Is that someone who worked 32 hours a week? Is that someone who worked 40 hours a week? Well, in this application, they told us, and they gave us this thing called a simplified rule, which, which could really work to your advantage. I'm going to show you how in a minute. A full-time equivalent employee is anybody who works 40 or more hours a week. So when you go to figure out your full-time equivalents before the forgiveness, uh, be, I'm sorry, before the pandemic, you're going to calculate them using, if you choose to, which we think is the best method, is the simplified method. Anybody who works more than, um, who works more than uh, 40 hours a week is going to be one, meaning 1.0 full-time equivalent employees. And if you use this simplified method, anybody who works anything less than 40 hours a week is counted as a 0.5. Now, here's why this might be really good for you. So let's say we have uh, two front office administrators, all right? And one front office administrator 
um, is working, let's say, uh, before the pandemic, they were working 32 hours a week. And the other one was also working 32 hours a week. And doctor says, you know, guys, we got a problem here. I don't have enough work to keep you all busy. So we're getting towards June 30th here. And during this covered period, I can only afford to pay, you know, one full-time position. So I'm going to reduce each of you to 20 hours or 16 hours a week. Okay. So you've got, you've reduced one position in the office, right? You've gone from, uh, you know, two people down to, let's say you've gone from two people down to one person. Well, remember on February 15th, how many full-time equivalent employees did you have? Well, in your mind, you had two. Well, no, you didn't. Because remember, if you have, if they're over 40 hours, it's 1.0. But under this special rule, and I'm telling you this now for the first time, anybody who works less than 40 hours can be considered as 0.5 one half of a full-time equivalent. So let's say you had two people working in your front office on February 15th. They were each working 32 hours a week. Okay, now you had, um, well, in your mind, you had two full-time equivalents. You really didn't because they were less than 30 hours a week, 40 hours a week, I'm sorry. And they are the equivalent now of one full-time equivalent because you've got two 32-hour people. And remember, under the rule, anybody less than 40 hours can be under this simplified method, one half of an employee. So if if we had one full-time equivalent, one half for each of them on February 15th, and now you've got the two of them, but they're only each working maybe 16 hours because you've cut them both in half because you don't have enough work. Well, how many full-time equivalents do you have now? You had two times 0.5 on February 15th because anything under 40 hours was counted as a 0.5 and they were working 32 hours, but now they're both working 16 hours. What are they now? They're still 0.5. Anything less than 40 hours is a 0.5. So I had two full-time equivalent and I had one full-time equivalent employee for those two people on February 15th, and on June 30th, even though they're working half the time, I have one full-time equivalent. Therefore, no reduction in my forgiveness. So you're going to want to use this simplified, at least we believe until, again, and we have to say this over and over again, until the guidance comes out. But we believe that this simplified method is going to help you in your full-time equivalents. So basically, the way this works is that in, in your full-time uh, equivalent employee calculation, uh, and again, we don't know how they're going to require you to do this, okay? But if your full-time employees, just like with the 25%, if you bring them back at the same salary on June 30th that they had back in February, now we're saying if you have the same number of full-time equivalent employees on June 30th, as you had on February 15th, you will meet this safe harbor and you won't have a reduction. Remember, there's three places in this application that you could possibly have your forgiveness calculation, forgiveness amount reduced. And we don't want that to happen. No, 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 no. We do not want that to happen. No way, no how. So what are they going to do? How are they going to verify this? So what do we do? Do we have like a pizza party, a virtual pizza party, or maybe a real pizza party six feet apart? I don't know. 
on June 30th and we bring everybody back and they're an employee on June 30th and we pay them their full-time equivalent salary for the day of June 30th and then we lay them off again, again, not in the spirit of the Paycheck Protection Program, but you know they made the rules. We'll see what the guidance says. So very important, folks. You need to make sure that you get everybody back to what their pay rates were and get them back on payroll by June 30th. And that is why you do not want to file this application with the bank until July. Now, one important caveat in that, folks, is that you need to continue to take a look at your loan document. As I've mentioned in prior podcasts, if your loan document says you must file for forgiveness within X number of days of the day you get this loan or within X number of days um, from the date that you got your, um, uh, that your, your eight week period is over or, uh, you know, 13 days and five hours after the July 4th holiday. I mean, whatever the, whatever the loan document says, that's what you have to do because if you don't follow what the loan, uh, the promissory note says about the forgiveness, you could just say, yeah, I got busy and I was just working real hard and I didn't think about it and I didn't apply. And then you don't apply. And then what happens? Well, then you may not be able to file for forgiveness with that bank at all. So that's really important. So again, three things, 75% payroll costs, get every ba- get everybody back to their payroll levels uh, to meet the safe harbor on June 30th and get everybody back on payroll by June 30th. That's what they're telling. They want them back. Now, again, what are they going to say? Are they going to say, well, you know, We don't trust you guys. We really don't trust you. We know you're going to try and work the system. And what we're going to do is we're going to say that you, these employees need to be on June 30th, but maybe they need to be employed for at least another 30 days. I don't know what they're going to say. If they don't say anything, it says June 30th. And you, you can be assured, folks, that not only myself, but every member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, once this guidance comes out and once the banks get started doing these calculations, we're going to be talking because we all know the, the banks in our areas that deal with dentists that have made these loans, uh, the big banks, we know some of the small banks. And the best thing that we can do is to call that banker. And if it's a small bank and you have a relationship, maybe you're in a smaller town and maybe that president is your, is your, is your patient. And I've already had this conversation with clients is say, you know, we're not cheating. We don't cheat. Uh, my mother taught me, my late mother, Cynthia, God bless her. Mom, I miss you. My mom's been gone uh, about uh, seven years now. She taught me that the two worst things in this life are a liar and a thief. So we don't lie and we don't steal. But there's nothing wrong with knowing what the rules of the knife fight are, okay? And if we can go to that banker and say, let me make sure I understand, how are you going to be computing this forgiveness? Do I have this right? Am I doing this right? And they're going to say, oh, yeah, here's the rules. We'll send them to you. I don't know what they're going to be able to do. I'm not asking you to do anything illegal or fattening. All I'm saying to you is, Let's see what we can find out. If I can find out how the rules of the forgiveness work, I can help guide you, as can our Academy of Dental CPA members can help guide you. But we we don't know. And, and again, 
Nobody is going to do anything. If the bank says, no, these are private, uh, the SBA is not allowing us to give them out, then we will work with the uh, the forgiveness application and the uh, the guidance, uh, if they ever give it to us, that they that they give to us. Okay, so we talked about the ways to get around this. And again, uh, this goes back to the fact, folks, going back to payroll costs, I want to make one point. If you've had this money for three or four weeks and you haven't paid anybody, I think you're going to have a difficult time if your goal is forgiveness of starting to put everybody on payroll now and getting full forgiveness. I don't think when this guidance comes out, you're going to be able to pay everybody if you've had this money for three weeks, three weeks of payroll on the first day uh, that the guidance comes out. I think that's going to be difficult or four weeks or five weeks or whatever that is. I think that if you haven't been paying your employees for the first two or three or four weeks, um, while you may be able to get them back and avoid the, you know, the, the full-time equivalent exception of the safe harbor and the reduction of 25% in salary uh, exception. You may be able to get through those, but you may not be able to have the 75%. You might have a reduction in your forgiveness. It may not be as great as, uh, you know, it won't be a hundred percent reduction. It'll be a proportionate reduction, but, but that's something that we need to, to plan on. So, if your goal is forgiveness, if you're opening your dental office this week and you get a full book, get everybody back on payroll as soon as you can, and that will probably minimize your forgiveness amount. So we talked about the uh, the simplified method, what an FTE uh, means. Uh, you know, we, we talked about all that. So again, we talked about retirement and health and state taxes. Um, I wouldn't pay, like I said, your retirement contribution uh, until we find out what the rules are. We just don't know what they're going to base it on. But if you had a defined benefit plan and you're paid in $200,000 last year and they let you base it on 19, that could be fifteen, sixteen thousand $16,000 that you could pay in, or well, actually more than that, maybe $30,000 that you can pay in uh, and use the government's money. And that will get you closer to the 75%. Um, your health insurance uh, that would be all included, your employees. Remember, that's only the portion that's coming out of your pocket. So if you're writing a check for 2000 a month, but your employees are paying 800 a month through payroll uh, withholding and deductions, then 1200 a month is the amount that can be forgiven. And again, we, we don't know as far as the owners go. We don't believe that the government is going to allow sole proprietors, uh, independent contractors, or um, partners in partnerships or LLCs deduct, to deduct health insurance premiums or um, deduct uh, uh, retirement plan contributions. You will be able to deduct for all of your employees' contributions. And, and, and by the way, it's not the 401k deferral amounts. Those are included in the wages. That's the forgiveness for the wages. Uh, we do believe that S-corporations, C-corporation shareholders, We'll be able to get the retirement part. C-corporation shareholders, based on what I've read, can get the uh, health insurance part. I am still not convinced that a an S-corporation shareholder uh, owner is going to get his or her health insurance. Again, we're just not sure yet, folks. We're waiting for the guidance and examples. And remember, this guidance that's going to come out, uh, you know, on the one hand, I'm petrified because it's going to be 300 pages and I'm just going to have to shut my life down for a week and read it, which I'm going to have to do. 
uh, in order to help my clients and, and, and everybody that's listening to my podcast, the thousands of people are now listening. It's wonder, it's wonderful that this, this thing has exploded. And I'm so blessed to be working with the dental profession. I'm so grateful to every single one of you that's listening. Please tell all your friends about this. The information I think is really good. I'm very proud of what we're doing, but, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know on some of these things. What, what does retirement plan mean? What is, what does the health insurance mean? We're still waiting for this guidance. Um, another thing that they did is that, that you should take note of is on the rent and the utilities. You know, rent we generally pay on the first month, but your utility bills. Um, if you have a utility bill that's incurred, you get the bill and it's for the month of May, but it's not due till June 15th. Um, and your period ends on say May 31st. It's possible. Um, Let's let's take it a month later because that's not really practical. You get a utility bill for June, and uh, on uh, it's uh, for the month of June, but it's not due till July fifteenth. So you'll pay it July fifteenth, which is past your eight weeks. You can, as long as the bill says that it's due afterwards, and you pay it by the due date, you will get to include that in your um, uh, in your forgiveness. And we will have as once this guidance comes out. Before we go to the bank, we're going to have the PPP tracking spreadsheet ready to go. Uh, I, I, I want to see if this guidance changes any before we start making it available. So remember, we've put out two. Uh, and our ADCPA members also have great tools. So just, again, adcpa.org. Uh, check on their websites. There's a lot of great tools um, on a lot of these websites. And um, so we have a tracking. We have a planning spreadsheet that we've sent to hundreds of you uh, that you use to plan uh, these uh, expenses to make sure you're at the 75%. And then we'll have a tracker that we can use just to make sure that we show where did the money go. And there's only going to be eight or 10 entries on it, you know, four or five payrolls and maybe two rent payments and maybe three or four or five utility bills. I don't know. Uh, some retirement, maybe it'll be 10 or 15. So it's not a big deal, but it'll allow us to keep track of where the money went and track it. And, you know, it might be something we send to the bank so the banker can be assured that you spent all of this money in the right place. And the last thing I want to talk about before we uh, say, in this case, good night and uh, very close to a good Monday morning because it's very late here in California. Um, and um, it is the documentation. Now, we've told people to put money in a separate account. You've heard that from me. You've heard that from lots and lots of people who have done webinars and seminars and podcasts and things like that. And the reason we want you to put it in a separate account is so that we can have a better chance to make sure that we track it instead of commingling it with everything else. You will need documentation, documentation, documentation. If you do not have an office lease and you own the building, that is dated before February 15th, you will not get forgiveness on your rent. Uh, if you do not have utility bills with contracts that are dated before February 15th, that's your internet, that's your your cell phone. You may have to go to Verizon or T-Mobile or AT&T and get your, get your contract to send to them. We, we don't know what they're going to ask for, but have all of your documentation. We know that the payroll services are going to have special reports that are going to be tailored, the big national ones, the ADPs, the Paychecks, the uh, Heartlands, uh, Ovation, those, those types of companies are going to have that documentation available for you. They had it for when you applied, 
They know this is coming. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't recommend companies on this, uh, podcast, but just as a, a factual mention, ADP, um, processes one out of every four paychecks in America. They're going to be ready for this. They know that this is coming and their customers want it. So the documentation is going to be critical. Now you're only going to have to submit, I think it's pages three and page six of the 11 pages to the bank. And again, you know, we'll help you with all that as we go along here. Um, but you might want to take a, take a look at the document. It's on treasury.org. Go to the, um, go to the COVID-19 page and uh, it'll say the, the near the top of the resources for paycheck protection program. It'll say the forgiveness application, um, go through it, read it again, have your Advil ready, have your, you know, maybe a shot of whiskey or bourbon of whatever your cocktail choice is. Uh, uh, had a margarita today. It was very nice. We sat by the beach and had a margarita because we're not allowed to go on the beach here in Southern California, at least in Orange County. The beaches were shut down. It was it was surreal walking along Laguna Beach and not being able to see anybody on the beach or swimming in the ocean or what have you. Uh, so whatever your cocktail of choice is, that's what you should get when you start reading this stuff. Read Tony Nitty's article and uh, attend our webinars every Tuesday uh, with Ide Bailey and HMWC. That's uh, I I kind of run them. They're eleven to twelve thirty. Um, I will be doing webinars for, uh, I, I've already talked to them, many of the dental societies in Southern California. Uh, once this guidance comes out and I get it all digested and ready to go, we'll be doing those. Uh, and if you want links to that, I can certainly you know email me at artweederman at gmail.com. I'll get you connected. So, so that is the application. And again, I could spend days on talking to you about this application. It is complicated. It is cumbersome. It requires calculations. Uh, we are hopeful that we will have some spreadsheets that will, uh, Excel spreadsheets that will do these calculations that we will hopefully be able to make for you, make available for you. Uh, but call us, call, call me, uh, you know, call me at the office, uh, call me. My clients who are listening to this, they know they can call me anytime. I've been living this nightmare for eight weeks now. Um, if you're not working with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs and you've got a PPP loan and you want this forgiveness, you need to call one of us. I will implore you to do that. I have been, I've referred probably, oh my goodness, I probably sent out 20 or 30 emails in the last two weeks uh, copying our members for different areas of the country where I need help with my PPP and this like that. And we're here to help you. That's www.adcpa.org. So again, you know, keep doing what you're doing. If you're looking for full forgiveness, you want to pay everybody from the day you get the money until the eight week period is over. There's little nuances where we might be able to tweak this a little bit to make it a little more advantageous for you. But if you're going to hang on to this money and you're only going to pay people who are working and you're not going to use 75% of it for payroll, be prepared to not have it all forgiven. Be prepared to have to repay a lot of this money, uh, whatever is not forgiven, uh, as a 1% interest loan over two years. Again, they're looking at five, five, uh, five years. We hope that that happens. 
Um, the Democrats passed a bill that said 1,815 pages. The Republicans in the White House said it's dead on arrival. I was watching Face the Nation this morning and listening to some of the major people in government who all said that, you know, the Republicans have said basically, listen, we want to see how this first $3 trillion works out uh, before we uh, commit a second $3 trillion. The problem is, folks, is that we have a government uh, we have a, we have state governments that are drowning. Uh, I was listening to Governor Gavin Newsom here in California. Governor Newsom is a Democrat. It doesn't matter. I'm just mentioning it for the fact that he is uh, he is a Democrat, and he was talking about the fact that we had before the pandemic a twenty billion dollar budget surplus in the state of California. When have you ever heard of a state government or any government having a budget surplus? Well, California had one. Well, he came out on TV either on Thursday or Friday of last week and said, uh, not only is our $20 billion surplus gone, but $54 billion is now our deficit. And if something doesn't happen quickly, we are going to have to start laying off thousands of government employees. And that is happening in all 50 states. I mean, Alaska has been obliterated uh, due to the, you know, the oil, uh, you know, what's going on with oil and gas. Hawaii tourism is just decimated. There is no tourism. You go to Hawaii, you have to quarantine for 14 days before you do anything, before you go out of the house. I actually read they actually arrested somebody who they caught out at a restaurant or a bar or something getting food, and 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 he didn't quarantine. They arrested him. So, you know, that state is, is hurting. We're all hurting. It's all very, very hard, uh, and and it's it, it may get a little worse before it gets better. But hopefully in this hour, I've been able to give you a little bit of information to kind of start getting prepared for this forgiveness uh, document that you're going to file probably online, probably through your bank online. And, uh, you know, again, we at the ADCPA will be here to help you every step of the way to do that. Um, And, uh, you know, just... Now is the time for you to focus on your dental practices, getting your practice back and ready, getting that ever necessary um, uh, personal protective equipment, the PPE equipment, getting it in your office, getting everything set up so that you can, uh, you know, that you can be ready to open and make sure your patients know that everything is safe. Uh, another reason uh, for those of you who've done advanced training. This is the time to spend more time with your patients, explain to them how public how health starts in the mouth, health problems start in the mouth. And, and while they may not want to hear it, you want to educate them, you want to do everything that you can to show that you care about them. And, and what you're going to end up doing, doctors, as you start going back into your offices, because I've already heard this from doctors who have already been there, they're telling me, Art, I'm spending more time with their patients because I'm listening. They're telling me they're COVID-19 experience. They may not know somebody. They may know somebody. They may have a family member who had it. Um, I found out last week that one of my best friends from my days at Deloitte Haskins and Cells, which is now Deloitte, uh, back in the early 80s, um, he called me to tell me that his his uh, mom passed away, 94, and God bless her, she was wonderful. And then he proceeded to tell me that he was in uh, Baylor University uh, Hospital in in Dallas, Texas, and he had COVID nineteen, and I started my I stopped breathing for a minute. I mean, this is one of my best friends, so it, it's it gets personal. We've all 
had somebody um, connected to this horrible virus. So all I can say to you folks is God bless every single one of you. God bless the dental profession. Uh, I am thinking about every one of you. Everybody in the Academy of Dental CPAs is thinking about every one of you. We we have been working countless hours. It is now 11.40 p.m. on the 17th. Uh, so in 20 minutes, it'll be Monday morning. And um, we want to help you. So again, God bless every single one of you in the dental profession. Please be safe. Please keep your family safe. We know you're going to do everything you can to keep your dental team safe and your patients safe because you are very, very vital in healthcare. Always have been, always will be, and now more than ever. So that's it for this edition of The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman, CPA. Uh, thank you for listening. Please tell your friends. Please check on decisionsanddentistry.com, our website www.adcpa.org and if you want to email me again it's artweiderman at gmail.com thank you for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye bye